You're listening to You Asked For It, a sermon series based on questions submitted by you. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I am so glad that you are here today. We're in the middle of a series that we have titled, You Asked For It. You Asked For It, because the truth is, sometimes in life, we have questions. And how many of you would just admit right now that, uh, uh, that there are times in your life where you ask questions that you already know the answer to? You already know the answer to? Need you to participate. Come on now, some of y'all, you know you do that. We all, we all really do that. You might see somebody at the grocery store. They're at the grocery store, and you'll run into them, and you'll be like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And you're like, well, I mean, I'm at the grocery store. Uh, and when people do that to me, I always want to say, man, I'm getting ready to rob this place and just kind of see what they're going to say, you know? Uh, but uh, uh, we, we ask questions. Again, we already know the answer to. My, my youngest, Sadie Kate, uh, about a couple weeks ago, Amanda and I, we were taking a, a nap on a Sunday afternoon. How many of y'all get Sunday naps? Some people. So I was trying to take a Sunday nap. And uh, I'm laying on one side of the couch, and Amanda's on one side of the couch, and I mean, the lights are off, we are sleeping good, and then Sadie Kate, my youngest, again, she comes in there to me, and she goes over to my eyes, and she opens them up with her fingers, you know what I mean? And she's like, Daddy, what are you doing? And I'm like, girl, the lights are off. I'm sleeping. What do you think I'm doing? I was sleeping. You know what I mean? Again, we ask questions that we already know the answer to. Uh, many of y'all know, too, that uh, Amanda, my wife, is ex- we're, we are expecting another child. Uh, this is our third, our third kid. We got two girls. This one's going to be a boy. So life at home is really fixing to change. She goes to the doctor this past week, and uh, the doctor told her, look, Amanda, you are already dilated. Uh, two centimeters, and uh, so you really need to take it easy. You really need to take it easy because this baby could come any day now. And so Amanda looks at the doctor, and she says, but I have to play the bass this Sunday at church. I have to play. And so the doctor said, I'm just telling you, you know, you need to take it easy because the baby could come any day. Now, wouldn't that have made for a great service, you know what I mean? Amanda up here playing on that bass, and all of a sudden, water goes everywhere, you know. Baby no-name no Andrews makes his way into this world. We don't have a name yet. So, uh, But anyway, y'all would have been talking about that service forever, man. Look, there were people who were born again, really. They were really born. Uh, so anyway, it would have been a great service. Uh, but the way that I found out that Amanda was pregnant this time is uh, I woke up one morning, you know, nine months ago, I guess, I woke up, and uh, I was getting ready, you know, fitting to get ready for work, and so I get up, and I go to the restroom, I need to use the restroom, I'm just in the shower, and so uh, I'm standing, you know, in front of the commode, in front of the toilet, and so, uh, you know, I'm starting to use the restroom, I know this is weird, uh, and so, anyway, when I look down, you know, I, I, I'm, again, I'm using the restroom, so I look down, and I see on the back of the toilet, there's a pregnancy test. You know, and so let me just say I made a mess in the bathroom that morning because that was not what I was expecting to see on a, on, a, on first thing in the morning. And so I, I look at this pregnancy test, and again, I start asking questions I already know the answer to. You know what I mean? I'm like, what is this? And she goes, what do you think it is? I'm pregnant. And, I, and again, here comes another question I already knew the answer to, but I was like, how did this happen? You know, again, sometimes we really ask questions that we already know the answer to, and the only reason I can figure that we actually ask questions that we, we already know the answer to is because we need someone to confirm what we already know. 
And so in this series, what we've been doing is giving you guys an opportunity to submit questions or topics that you'd like to hear answered on a Sunday morning. Uh, The way that you can do that is by grabbing one of our information cards and on the back just writing topic, writing your question, and then dropping it in one of our offering drop boxes. If it doesn't get uh, really addressed in this series, you know, just don't give up. It might end up turning into an entire series on its own. But again, we've been giving you guys an opportunity to submit questions. And some of the questions that have been submitted are very complex questions. Some of the questions really do, they dive into some very deep theological content. content. Some of them deal with eschatology, the study of end times. Some, some of the questions that have been submitted deal with the Trinitarian nature of our God. Again, they're very complex questions. But then there are other questions that have been submitted that might not delve into the complex theological issues, but they're still very difficult questions because they usually involve you and I doing something. You and I, you and I already know the answer to the question a lot of times that we ask, but the answer requires you and I doing something something. And so the question that we're going to look at today is actually a question that several people submitted a que- the, the topic or the question on. It might be worded a little different, but the context, the content, it's all the same. And so the question that we're going to look at today is this, how can I have better relationships? How can I have better relationships? How can, how can I approach the relationships I have the way that God wants me to approach them? It could be a relationship with your spouse. It could be a relationship with a coworker. It could be a relationship with your parent. It could be a relationship with your child. It could be a relationship with someone that you work with. See, the truth of the matter is we all want great relationships, And the reason why is because of what the Bible says about us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I want you to see this. The Bible says this. Then God said, let us, everybody say us. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. That word us, those two words are, are. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. What you need to understand is that God exists in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is Trinitarian in his nature, and they exist relationally. Well, because because we're made in the image of God, there is embedded deep within us this desire to have great relationships, relationships that really are enjoyable. But can we just be honest this morning? Don't people sometimes annoy us? Right? Raise your hand if you got somebody annoying in your life. Don't point at them. We're at church, okay? I don't want y'all to fight uh, if they happen to be here. But really, you know, people do, people do annoy us sometimes. You say, well, I don't have anybody in my life that annoys me. Well, if that's you, you are probably the person who annoys everybody else, okay? So welcome to Elevate. I hope you feel good about yourself today. Uh, but so how, how, how can we have better relationships with the people in our lives? Uh, I think we know the answer. But the answer, again, requires us to do some work. And so this morning, I just want to give you three things, three things that I think will really help every relationship in your life, three things that really God would have us to do when it comes to every relationship we have. And so if you want to write them down, if you keep a note, you want to write them down. The first thing that I want you to see, if you want to have better relationships, is you have to see others the way that Christ sees them. You have to see others as Christ sees them. See, I don't know if you know this or not, but as Christians, we are called to be like Christ. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, follow God's example. God's example, not, not anybody else's example. It says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What you've got to understand is that Jesus looked at us. He looked at us and he loved us. He looked at us and he loved us so much that he was willing to die for us. He was willing to give himself up for us. Jesus said, you know what? I love God the Father so much. I am his only, I am his only begotten son. I am his, I am his firstborn. And I know that God desires for everyone else in this world to be dearly loved children of his as well. So I am going to sacrifice myself on behalf of God and on behalf of them. He looked at us, Jesus looked at us with love. Now, how many of you have kids? You should know that, okay? Uh, there's probably more of us in here that have kids. I know that uh, there's a lot of kids in our, our children's area, and our workers are sure hoping that those are your kids and not kids that somebody just abandoned here on a Sunday morning, okay? Uh, but, but, but if you've got kids, uh, how many of y'all would just admit sometimes, your kid might be sitting next to you and it's okay, but how many of y'all would just admit that if, if you've got kids that sometimes kids annoy you? Your kids annoy you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they really do, they really do. Uh, I, Sadie Kate, my youngest, she likes to cuddle with me, and I love that, okay? I love it when she comes. She's like, Daddy, will you snuggle with me? I'm like, absolutely, I will. But then there are other times where I'm sitting on the couch, and Sadie Kate has no personal concept of personal space. She doesn't. So I'll be sitting on the couch, and she's like sitting on top of me. She's standing up. She's putting her feet in my face. She's trying to sit on my head. You know what I mean? She'll start covering up my eyes and pinching my nose like so I can't breathe. And I hope she's just doing it for fun and not really trying to kill me. You know what I'm saying? But pray for me. But, I mean, sometimes, again, she, she does. She, she can be annoying. All kids can be annoying. But I look at my kids, and I love them. I love them deeply. I remember when Brianna Grace was born, I looked at her, and she was the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen after they cleaned her up. But she was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. I looked at her, and I loved her. I looked at her, and I got emotional. I actually started to cry. I didn't even know Brianna. I didn't, I didn't even know her. It was literally the first time I was seeing her. It was the first time that she was making her entrance into this world, the first time I saw her. But I looked at her, and I loved her deeply. Well, what I'm saying is that God looks at us just like that. God looks at us just like that. He looks at us, and he loves us deeply. He looks at your spouse as annoying maybe as your spouse can be to you, and God loves him deeply. He looks at your kids, and he loves your kids deeply. He looks at your neighbor, and he loves your neighbor deeply. He looks at your, your friends, and your enemy, man, as hateful as your enemy can be. He looks at them, and he loves them deeply. He looks at them with love, a love that is really described and so deep. It's so deep, it's described in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, if we're truly going to be followers of Christ, if we truly want to make the most of our relationships here on earth, we've got to learn to see people as Christ sees them, which means that we're going to have to look at the people in our life with love. See, I don't know if you know this or not, but for real Christians, I don't mean people who just come to church on a Sunday, 
But for real Christians, real people who are really going to follow Christ, they've got to understand that love is non-negotiable. Love is non-negotiable. It, 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 really, it, it really isn't negotiable. We talked about uh, the greatest commandment a little bit last week, and I, I want you to see what Jesus says. One time someone comes up to Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing? I want you to see this. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39, this guy runs up to Jesus and says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? If you got your Bible open and you happen to be looking at that passage, you need to underline that word commandment and circle it. What is a commandment? What is a commandment? Well, the Greek actually implies here that this is an order. This is a requirement. This man is looking at Jesus and he's saying, Jesus, if I'm going to follow God, what is the, the, the most important requirement of me? What is demanded of me if I'm going to follow God? And look at how Jesus responds. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, love God and love others. Love God and love others. Listen to me. Healthy relationships are so important that Jesus doesn't just suggest we love other people. He commands it. He commands that we love others. He commands us to look at them with love. It is required. It is demanded of us. Jesus says, love others. And Jesus modeled what love looked like, not only by giving his life for us on the cross, but he modeled his, he modeled what love looked like by living his life. Look at what he did. I want you to see something happens in Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, Jesus is traveling from town to town and village to village. He's literally living his life and interacting with people that he is just meeting for the first time. And I want you to see what the Bible says. The Bible says, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw the crowds. He saw these people and he loved them. He loved them and he had compassion on them. On them. He didn't want to give up on the people because they were helpless. They were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, again, he wanted to help these people. And so he loved them so much. He looked at them with love. And look what he says next to his disciples. Then he says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into the harvest field. He turns, Jesus looks at the people with love. Then he turns to his disciples, the ones following him, and he says, look, you need to love these people as well. Love them. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus says we need more people to love other people the way that I do. See, back in the day, the Beatles had a song where they really tried to teach this. It was like, all you need is love. Anybody remember that song? Oh, come on, man. Is it just me? We're, we're showing our age. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. Anyway, I'm trying to get on the praise team. But, uh, but Jesus says, love people. Again, they are helpless. They are harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, again, he says, love people. But oftentimes, we don't look at people with love. Right? We don't. We live in a day. Listen, this is sick. We live in a day where people will look at someone who is drowning and they'll videotape them drowning, laughing at that individual and mocking them. That's sick. That's not love. 
That's not love. And we can look at people who would film someone drowning and, 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 and mocking this individual. We can look at them with shame, but the truth of the matter is many of us are just like that. We are. There are people all around us who are struggling. There are people all around us who are spiritually drowning, and we'll look at them drowning and we'll say, I'm not helping them. Come on. I'm not helping them. We'll leave them there. That's not how Jesus wants us to look at people. He gives this interesting analogy in Mark chapter 9 again about this harvest and about the workers. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's an interesting comparison because, because what does that even mean? See, our world has changed tremendously. The day and time in which we live is completely different from the day and time in which Jesus walked this earth. Many of us don't know how to work a field. We don't. My papa had a farm, my mom had a garden, and I got a can opener. You know what I'm saying? We want things to be easy nowadays, right? You know they got electric can openers? Did you know that? You just take a can, you stick it up to that thing, it's got a magnet, boop, then you press a button and it'll open that can for you. We want things to be easy. We want them to be easy. We don't know much about working a field because, see, working a field is hard. It's hard working a field. And Jesus is saying, just as it is hard to work a field, just how you might get a splinter, just how you might get hurt working a crop, Jesus is saying it's hard work to love others. It is. You might get hurt loving others. You might get worn up, worn out trying to, 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 to love others. You might get tired, but don't give up on people. The harvest is plentiful. Love people. We need people to love others the way we need people to see others the way that Christ sees them you know if you really want to have a better marriage if you really want to if you really want to have a better relationship with your friends if you really want to have a better relationship with your parents or your children you need to see them the way that Christ sees them the second thing that I want you to see this morning if you want to have better relationships is not only do you need to see others as Christ sees them but this you need to fight for one another and not against one another you need to fight for one another and not against one another. Now, something that you might not know about me is that I like to watch MMA fights. I really do. Um, and there's a huge fight that's coming up in about a month or so. Uh, August 26th, I think, is the date. Uh, and so many of y'all might have, have seen it, but it's a, a fight between uh, Floyd Money Mayweather and uh, Conor McGregor. And so Floyd Mayweather is actually, he's a boxer, okay? And he's 49 and 0. Anybody know this fight's coming up? Just me, want to make sure. Okay, great, great, great. All right, so he's 49 and 0, Floyd Money Mayweather is. And then you got, again, Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor is a, an MMA fighter. Floyd is a boxer. Well, these two people from two different fighting worlds are about to meet in a boxing ring. They're going to meet in a boxing ring, and it's going to be boxing rules. There's, there's no kicking. There's no kneeing. There's no elbows. There's no headbutts. There's none of those things. These are, these are boxing rules, boxing rules. And I'm not really talking about any kind of fighting techniques, but how many of you have seen the press conferences leading up to this fight? Anybody? I mean, these guys are verbally assaulting one another, aren't they? Aren't they? If you've seen them, you know that. I mean, they're talking trash about one another. They're throwing shade. You know what I mean? They're, they are, they really are. They're being ugly to one another. They've been, and they're not just fighting in these press conferences. They, they've been fighting for a very long time. 
They really have. They've been, they've been bashing each other on, in interviews. They've been talking about each other in social media. They've been fighting with each other again for a very long time. They've been putting a great deal, a, a great amount of time and energy into fighting this, and that's, into this fight. And that's entertaining when it comes to promoting a fight. But it's not so entertaining when that's how you live your life. But the truth of the matter is some of us are living our life just like those guys. And what I mean is there are a whole lot of us who have been spending a whole lot of time and a whole lot of energy fighting with the people in our life. We've been fighting with our spouse for so long. We've been fighting with our kids for so long. We've been fighting with our parents for so long. We've been fighting with people around us. Something will happen in one of our relationships. Something will happen in our marriage, and we go back to our list. It might not be a physical list, but we've got a list, a mental list in our mind, and we go back to that list. It's a list of things that we remember that this person has done to us. We go back to that list so that we can remind the person who has hurt us about this list. And so we're going back and forth. We'll say, you did this, you did this, you hurt my feelings, you weren't nice, you were mean. It's just trash talk, trash talk, trash talk. And how many of you know, like the natural response when somebody is talking bad about you, you know what the natural response is? To talk trash back, right? Just me? Pray for me. Okay. Like when you were a kid, you know what I mean? If somebody come up and talk to you, talking bad about you, what would you say? Yo mama? And then they'd be like, What'd you say about my mama? You better not talk about my mama. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. So a lot of times, again, when we're in a relationship and we're talking trash, we're, we're being mean to someone in our relationship, their natural tendency is to come right back at us. Well, you did this, you did this, you made me feel this way. You did this, you did this, you did this. We fight against, we fight against, we fight against, we fight against. And that's not what love looks like. What does love look like? I'm glad you asked. Because God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, I want you to see this. Here's what the Bible says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Look at your neighbor and say, love's not mean. Love's not mean. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always, it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Do you see what love does right there? Love doesn't fight against. Love fights it always trusts, it always protects, it always perseveres, it never fails. Even if the person that is fighting against you, even if there's someone in your life that's fighting against you, love fights for them. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, when people were mocking him, when people were poking him with sticks, when people were throwing rocks at him, what did Jesus do? Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels to come down and handle business for him, but he didn't do that. He fought for the very people who were fighting against him. He looked at the Father and he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Love fights for. Some of us really need to hear this. Listen to me. Some of us have some very serious heart issues. We've let some things fester. We've let some things really take root. We're carrying around hate. We're keeping records of wrongs in our life. We've been carrying around, carrying around tremendous weight, and that weight is beginning to affect the relationships around us that we really need. And if that's you, you've got to understand that you can't move forward in your walk with God until you handle those issues. 1 John 4.20 says this, 
Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. Whoever claims to love God yet hates her brother or sister is a what? A liar. A liar. They're a liar. See, moving forward in our relationship with God oftentimes means moving forward in the relationships that we have with others. And in order to move forward, it's going to require us to love more. It's going to require more selflessness on our part. It's going to require more humility. I'm telling you, we are to fight for one another, not against one another. That's what the gospel demands. That's what the gospel demands. What would happen? What would happen if each and every one of us, if each and every one of us invested the same amount of time and energy that we spend fighting against others? What would happen if we spent the same amount of time and energy fighting for the people in our life? I'll tell you what would happen. Our relationships would change. They'd look much different. You say, Robert, I've tried. My situation's different. There's just no hope. If you're saying that, you haven't read the Bible because God says, hey, all things are possible through him. The Bible says all things are possible to the one who believes. Jesus says those things to us, and so don't give up on people. God doesn't give up on us. We are to follow his example. Don't fight with the people in your life. Fight for the people in your life. So if you want to make the most out of your relationships, you need to see others as Christ sees them. You need to fight for the people in your life and not against them. And the third thing, if you're keeping notes, you want to write it down. The third thing that I want you to see, if you really want to make the most out of your relationships, you've got to understand or recognize that life is brief. Life is brief. See, one of our, our greatest problems is that we don't have an eternal perspective. We don't. We, we, we are messed up. We have a messed up perspective when it comes to our time here on earth. I really, I really want you to understand this because I think this is so important. It really is. See, we think our life is like this. You're like, what in the world is this? It's not a snake, okay? Don't be going home and telling people, we're at a church. But we think our life is like this. Can y'all see this? We think, we think our time here on earth is like this. Oh, man, I got all kinds of time. I got all kinds of time to make things right. And look, like when you, when you have a lot of time, doesn't it change the way that you approach things? Doesn't it change the urgency? Doesn't, doesn't it even, you know, change the disposition of your heart? Like when you're in a hurry and someone pulls out in front of you on the road, you're like, man, what in the world? Why would you do that? Anybody, is it just me that does that? I mean, you know what I mean? Some people will speed up behind, beside that person after they pull out in front of them, tell them that they're number one, you know what I'm saying? And they're yelling and all this other good stuff. We get mad when we are in a hurry, when we don't feel like we have a lot of time. But when, when you got a lot of time, you just... You just got a lot of time, right? And you're like, I don't even know what I'm going to wear today. What are you going to do? I don't even know. You know what I'm saying? I'm just hanging out. We're just, we're just enjoying life because we think that this is what our life is like. We got all this time, all this time, all this time. But, but this is not what our life looks like. This is not what our life looks like. I want you to see what the Bible, I want you to see what the Bible actually says about our life. James 4, 17, here's what it says. It says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, the Bible says our life is not like this. The Bible says that our life is like this. Do you see that? 
I'm going to do it again. You see, this is not our life. That's our life that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is your life, and you only get one of those. One of those. That's all you get. And in many of our relationships, we're spending so much time, all this time that we think we have fighting one another. We're spending all this time neglecting one another. We're, we're spending all this time, and we aren't showing the people in our life the love that God would have us to show. And we do it because we think, well, one day, one day it'll get better. One day I'll get around to it. One day I'll be the spouse I need to be. One day I'll be, I'll be the husband I need to be. I'll be the wife I need to be. I'll be the child I need to be. One day I'll be the person I need to be. I've got all this time. But that's not what our life looks like. That's our life. That's it. It's a mist. It's a mist. And you need to make the most of this. you got to make the most of this. Don't spend this fighting. Don't spend this hating the people in your life. Don't spend this neglecting the people that matter the most in your life because this is your life. Not only is this your life, I want to spray all kind of people. But this, this right here, this is not just your life. This is also what everybody's life around you looks like. Listen to me. If you spend all of this fighting, and you're a mist and they're a mist, what if their mist disappears before your mist does? What if their mist, and you don't get a chance to love the way that God wants you to? What if you don't get the chance to invest, to make things right the way that God wants you to? Again, James 4.14 says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. If you want to make the most of your life, if you want to make the most of your relationships, you need to spend this seeing people the way that God sees them. You need to spend this fighting for, not against. You need to understand this disappears so quickly. Life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, I'm wrapping up, almost finished. We're just looking at James chapter 4. In the very last chapter, the very last verse of James chapter 4, the Bible says something else. Verse 17. The Bible says, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That's James 4, 17. If anyone, if, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and they don't do it, it is a sin. I wonder today, I wonder today if some of us know that we're not making the most of this. I wonder today if some of us know that we're not doing the good required of us in the relationships that we have. I mean, we know what we're supposed to do, but it's hard. We know the good we're supposed to do, and we think we'll get around to it later. Well, I want you to know that the Bible says anyone who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin. Don't just assume you have all the time in the world because your life is a mist that appears for a short while 
and then vanishes. Don't just assume your relationships will get better one day. You do the good that God's word commands you to do. You do what you can to make the most out of your relationships. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I wonder today if there's someone here who really just doesn't understand how brief life really is. Man, I want you to know that God brought you here so that you could get your relationship with him right first. See, the truth is, unless our relationship with Christ is right, no other relationship that we have will be right. Maybe you've been putting off making that decision to surrender your life to Christ. You've been putting it off because you think you got more time. You got more time. You got more time. That's not necessarily true. And so if you're here today and you know that you need to give your life to Christ, I'm going to ask that right where you are that you lift your hand because I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. You know you need to you know you need to surrender. Life is brief. It's short. Look, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray with me. Father, forgive me for living my life for me. Father, forgive me for all my sins. I pray right now, Father, that you would come into my heart that you would come into my life. Father, that you would mold me into a new creation. I pray, Father, that you would help me as I live my life by filling me with your Holy Spirit. I confess you as Lord, and I pray from this moment on that I'll begin to make better use of the life that you've given me. Thank you for saving me. I wonder also today if there's anybody here who knows they've got some relationships that they need to really try to fix. They've got some relationships in their life that aren't the way that God would want them to be. If you'd say, Pastor, just pray for me because it's hard. Loving others is hard. If that's you, I'm going to ask right where you are that you just lift your hand so I can pray for you. Amen. We're commanded to love God and love others. If we're going to follow Christ, that's commanded of us to love God and love others. So, Father, I pray for these who have raised their hand this morning, acknowledging, Father, that they need to do their part. They need to do their part. They need to do the hard work. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to truly love you the way that you deserve and love others the way that you would have us to. Help us, Father, to be your people. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.